Welcome to Ain't That Swell live from Bondi Beach, world famous, my old stomping ground, and true to form, this was an absolute clusterfuck <laughs> of classical proportions, Vaughn. Oh, mate. Dead set. I, I don't know what I was expecting from this one. Uh, I, the last time, Smithy, we went to Bondi, and we, we played uh, at the same place, the Bondi Bolo, but... I remember leaving that night and there was a guy smoking a ciggy through the eye of his dick and I just thought, wow, mm. wow, this is what you get when you come to Bondi and uh, it wasn't too far off, to be honest with you, mate. No. No, he raised uh, he raised the bar there to an exceptional standard, uh, Blake, my mate, and uh, I think it was safe to say it was probably surpassed in this episode. I have a really uh, clear memory, probably my defining memory of the night. Uh, this On this tour, we were running a... Corn, corn drag race, uh, where you were basically asked to drag your corn up the middle of the corridor, and uh, while everyone mm. you know, chanted "corn to corn, corn to corn," a la the infamous scene in Requiem of a Dream, asked to ask, and uh, this fella, for no particular reason, one of the contestants just dacked himself, and uh, you know, did it in the nude. So there he was with the uh, raw corn on his unsheathed dot, just dragging corn up the middle of the corridor. And I looked to my right, and who was there but none other than the 1993 Women's World Champion, Scum Valley's finest, herself, Pauline Manson, just staring straight down the barrel of old mate Pecker and corn uh, coming at her. And uh, she just shrugged and said, uh, yeah, nothing's changed. Um, so yeah, you know, true to form. It's good to see that as much as things change in Bondi Beach, world famous, uh, everything really does stay the same. Vaughn, there's plenty of dick tricks and nudist degeneracy, just like there was in the ITN days of Pauline's time. And uh, in fact, one of our other uh, members on the panel, Rod Kerbox Kerr, one of in the nude board riders, all time greats. Uh, not one of his best performances, it's safe to say. But uh, still a great night for all involved, Vaughn. Agreed. Uh, yeah, Box, uh, he, he got a little bit of anxiety uh, when he first got up there, a bit tongue-tied, and he came good in the end, though. He says some beautiful stuff at the end of this episode, Smithy. But, um, yeah, mate, look, I just, uh, you know, I, I was grateful to have the panel that we had, and uh, the room was full of the, the typical shenanigans that the Swellians bring to the live shows. Big thanks to Billabong. Big thanks to Custom. They're, they're our number one supporters when it comes to getting this thing cranking mate and um you know they all came down on the night and uh yeah i think you know highlights for me aside from uh yeah the corn to corn race was pauline gerlach box sharing sharing that you know stage together and then also uh the, the freestyle rap that went down at the end mate was skitsy mm, but which is yeah very skitsy and uh you know the it's from the same man uh, who you know, had the corn wedged up his corn. Um, he was a triple threat, this guy, an absolute entertainer and showman of Scum Valley's finest proportions. Uh, they're going to have a, a bronze statue erected of him down there in the not-too-distant future, I'd imagine. But, um, yeah, huge shout-out to Brad Gerlach, uh, you know, surfing's original bad boy slash party boy, and fuck, he brought the noise on this night. Oh, uh, didn't yeah, he? Brought plenty of pizzazz and panache and uh, all that style and flair that he's famous for. Fuck, it was a classic night. I mean, three absolute icons of 90s surfing up on the panel, you know, from a time in professional surfing's history when, uh, you know, it was hard scrabble. Pauline's time in particular. Her stories are just remarkable. She's a tough, 
tough human. Um, and Gurr, mm. of course, uh, you know, just a trailblazing old school freak. And then Box, the uh, you know the original pisshead maniac. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the original, but de- definitely out of the top brass of that uh, pantheon it, of degeneracy. He gave it a red hot dig, the old Box. But we, we love the Box, and uh, you know. Yes, Miv, look, this, this episode, as you said, it bounces around. It's it's all over the shop. It won't be for everyone, but you know what, mate? It's it's surf banter. It's surf banter in a room full of people. Take it or leave it, but uh, do yourself a favour and just get to the end for that uh, freestyle just throw down. The beat drop. It's epic, mate. And, uh, Smithy, looking forward to getting back in the studio for a regular old ep with you as well, mate. Hey. 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 Yep. And, uh... That's right. Hey, hey, hey! Uh, get back on protection, your mate. Only a couple, uh, only a couple more live episodes from this tour to go, which means it can't be too long until we hit the road for the next round of shenanigans. Stay tuned, Swellians. We're coming in hot, blazing hot, dripping wax hot, and uh, West Oz. If you've got your tickets, uh, don't worry; they're still valid, and they're going to be valid till we make it over there. So, stay tuned, Swellians. New tour announcement coming soon. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I like to say, and I ASB are gonna find me, because I wanna be a part of this fucking jump wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their, his testicles so far out their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now, I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the lip, drop down, say, bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did travel some humongous ways. Oh, that's the table thing? Oh, surf looks good, Ivan. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jen and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back. <laughs> Get a haircut. Yeah, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and barnies. Welcome to Ain't That Swell live from Bondi Beach. World famous. I'm your host, the two-time, yeah, that's right, giving up for Scumbelly's finest himself and Vaughn Rinsed Corn. Deadly. Thank you, Bondi. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Peace Award-winning surf journalist, Scumbelly's finest himself, the punch drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro-dosing. Smithy. And of course, uh, give it up for my loyal co-host and very good friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Surfing World magazine, Waves magazine, Tracks magazine, Vaughn, Rinsed Corn, Deadly. Give him another round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Good to be back. Thanks to Swellians. Thanks for coming out. Mate, uh, it's good to be back in Bondo. I actually, uh, I know you're from here. I'm going to pepper you about it in a minute, but I actually had my 18th birthday here in Bondi and uh, came here. Got pretty lit up, vomited all over the place. A mate of mine had to uh, put me in bed. It was about 3.30 in the afternoon. Mm. It was uh, not a good look. But I did wake up the next day real keen to get the fuck out of here. Mm. <laughs> it's a common experience, yes. People just come, they invest, they sniff, they snort, they guzzle, they root, and then they fuck right off out here to Byron Bay. Uh, <laughs> Guilty. But uh, Vaughn, it's great to be back in my hometown. Uh, You know, it's always a family affair uh, for me. 
It's a very emotional time to be back. Yep. I spent the day uh, visiting my baby mamas, uh, all six of them, and uh, you know, <laughs> emptied the coin purse uh, as I do. You know, I'm a generous man, man, born service over self, and Love all of that. Uh, isn't that right, Tulsi? You're mad. Um, and what else? Yeah, I guess I just spent the day reminiscing, you know, reminiscing over the blood spurts and semen stains of my youth, uh, you know, uh, over there. That's where I uh, knocked that cunt out and uh, <laughs> that bush over there. That's where I caught my first gobby and uh, yeah. uh, over there. That's where that cunt knocked me out. You know the vibe. I do, mate. And uh, what's it like to come back? What's it like to be back on home turf? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, as much as it's changed, it's also remained the same. I uh, was going for a jog before I ran past the Bondi Public School there and uh, caught the community garden. You know, that's kind of a, a bit of a, a new twist on, on, yeah, an, right. on an urban environment. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was really surprised just to see the quality of the mole crop they were going there. I mean, for a bunch of eight-year-olds, fucking hell, it's impressive. So, uh, yeah, good to see the legacy lives on. Uh, my legacy, that is, and uh, as a two-time Gold Cone Peace Award winner. But it's not a legacy I began, Vaughan. The legacy begins, really, in my opinion, with ITN board riders, in the nude board riders. Uh, yeah. And we've got one of the all-time most decorated members of that board riding club here with us tonight, Rod uh, Kerbox Kerr. Looking forward to it. And, uh, I mean... We talk about, we often describe ourselves as dons of degeneracy, but, uh, you know, Kerbox really set the gold standard <laughs> uh, in just fucking shenanigans through the uh, 1980s and 1990s on World Tour. And unbelievably, in a real cosmic uh, chain of events, we can announce that we've got Brad fucking Gerlach here. He's old school sparring partner, former world number one style master, uh, just some of the best biomechanics in the history of surfing. So that's going to be incredible. But Vaughn, really, it's all about one person tonight, Vaughn. Oh, man. One, oh, number one. So pumped. The shaman of the stink pipe, <laughs> the queen of Scum Valley, the 1992 world champ, Louis. Let's get it on. And now, please be upstanding. Presenting a born and bred Scum Valley local who went from collecting cans on Bondi Beach to conquering the surfing world. A prodigious talent, she had speed, power, and style to burn, and quickly enjoyed success in state and Australian titles before winning the amateur world title. Her career is the stuff of legend. 20 years on tour, 20 CT victories, including Sunset and Bells, and the 2003 World Surfing Championship. All with crippling arthritis and no sponsors. If you look up the word Corlord in the dictionary, you'll see a photo of this legend doing the finger to the industry and the reptiles who never gave her a chance. Please put your hands together for Scum Valley's finest, the champion of the world, the coolest school bus driver ever, Pauline Metzer!
getting corny on me. <laughs> well played. Hey, Pauline. <laughs> Welcome back to Bondi Beach. Uh, you are Bondi through and through, right? From a very young age. Yeah, I've been to ITN. I was one of those members too, way back in the day. Are you kidding me? Were you spitting the winkle with the, uh, with the rest of them? Yeah. No, you're actually the sumo queen though. Is that, you're telling me the story before we come up here uh, about your sumo shtick on tour. Was that a kind of a, a, a legacy of ITN? Do you want to explain what the sumo shtick was? The sumo shtick? Yeah, the shtick. Um, well, when you're in ITN, there seems to be a little bit of a problem where all of us that have been members of ITN have a little problem with nudity. And, uh, yeah, I used to do a sumo wrestler, so my boobs were out a little bit sometimes. But, um, yeah, it was actually a really funny story. I did... I, ha- I went to a um, Japanese night at Jodie Cooper's house and these geisha girls walked in and I went, well, you didn't tell me it was a fancy dress. And they said, oh, do you want to be part of the fancy dress? I said, yeah, I'd love to. And so... I went in the bathroom and they dressed me up and I come out dressed as this sumo wrestler and started running up and down the table and everyone was cracking up laughing. I'm like, I like this. Look, everyone's getting a bit of, getting a bit of attention and laughing. And so when I was on tour, I did it a couple of times and um, <laughs> I had to pick the right country to do it in because like, I did it in Australia, everyone was cracking up laughing. I did it in France, everyone was laughing. I did it in America and they're like, oh my God, I don't know where to look. <laughs> And uh, is there any chance of a sumo wrestler run tonight down the middle of the... <laughs> uh, you never know. Now, Pauline, you came on the show just recently and uh, Jed and I had the great honour of sitting with you and, and getting to go through your career, uh, you know, uh, especially with uh, Girls Can't Surf, the release of that film, which has been uh, incredible. And uh, I think everyone has had a real wake-up call to uh, just how crazy life was on tour for the women, especially in the uh, 80s and 90s. Um, but there was a few questions that we didn't get to ask you at the time, and one of them was Naughty, Naughty Pauls. Where does that nickname come from? Probably the sumo night, I think. (laughs) No, I actually was always entertaining, whether it be surfing or um, parties or stuff like that. So um, normally when I went to do anything naughty, I always had that naughty look in my eye before I did it. So that's where the nickname, people began, what are you up to, Naughty Pauls? (laughs) And And I can see that look tonight, so that's a good sign. (laughs) Um, all right. Well, what about um, another thing? We, we spoke to you about the world title. Uh, if you're not familiar with Pauline's story, uh, years on tour, 20 CT wins, guys. 20. Like, it's psycho. It's, I don't think Mick Fanning's got... I think he's got 17. Uh, that's just, you know, a really good sort of yardstick. Everyone, the, you know, the respect and the admiration we've all got for Mick. But 20 CT wins... You finally won the world title in 93. And we didn't get to ask you, like, you were in immense pain. You were sort of hobbling down the beach, surfing your heat, surfing really loose and free, like you said on the podcast, because I guess uh, if it was the adrenaline or just the motion of the ocean allowed you to sort of loosen up. But what happened when you won? What happened after that? What was uh, sort of the feeling on the beach? Did it all sink in straight away? Did you have uh, sort of the... Ability to even cut loose and let Naughty Pauls, the uh, sumo wrestler, off the chain. Oh, it was just amazing because the lead up to winning was really, really tough because I had my arthritis was so bad and there was so much stress. And then after winning, it was like I felt like I was carrying this bag on my back, and finally the bag fell off. And um, yeah, it took a while to sink in. It wasn't until 
I actually didn't really invite anyone over for a party, but I got back to my place and there was over 100 people there. So, um, yeah, well and truly let loose the first night. So it was really, really awesome. But um, it wasn't until I got home and started getting a lot more publicity that I realised, wow, like I actually won the world title. Mm-hmm. And, and to win it with having the arthritis as well was more of a personal journey. Like, you know, to win, winning it was amazing, but to win it, being pretty crippled up was um, a real p- big personal um, achievement. And I don't want to uh, push too hard on this, but we do have like two of the biggest, gnarliest freak party lunatics ever coming up to join you on stage. What does a world title party look like in 1993 when you come in? I think I'd rather tell you about like... The first time I was on tour and um, I was in Japan and all these guys walked in the room and who is it? Like Box and Gur and everyone and they're all dressed up in like the tightest pants I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and they got like their hair all greased back and in these little tops and I thought, wow, there is quite a few gay guys on tour. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just Matt Branson. <laughs> anyway, they'll like, get doing themselves up to go out to Tokyo for the night so I was like okay whatever floats your boat <laughs> oh mate I cannot wait to hear that story when the boys get up mm. I, just wish I, I wish I had the photo I do have a photo of it I'll have to dig it out for you <laughs> it was a real disco look wasn't it the split peas is that what they called it <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of fly, fly eyes was, that's basically the look so another question I asked uh, we, we, we know that you're a school bus driver and I just I think you're the coolest bus driver since Otto in The Simpsons. You've, you've got to be. Actually, there's been times where I wanted to check the surf and um, the kids are like, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way. And I go, I actually was going the wrong way. I go, yeah, but I'm just checking the surf, kids. We'll just take a little shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm doing the morning run in the afternoon when I'm like just got them mixed up. It's like, whoops. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, you little fuckwit. I'll get you home. <laughs> and uh, just finally... <laughs> I know you would never say that. I know you wouldn't. No, a- actually, um, every now and then I'll have Disco Fridays. This is when I was doing a different school bus run and there was more surfer kids on it. And on Friday afternoons, I'd just jam the disco music and put that up for the way back. And hand out pingers as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'll get on your bus, Not Pauline. pingers, Vaughan. It's called, it's called Ritalin. <laughs> Um, All the kids are on it. But funnily enough, Pauline actually drives the school bus that I used to catch when I was at Mullenheim. Spewing on this Disco Friday, man. Just last question that we didn't get to touch on last time. Uh, there's a rumour getting around that Bondi Beach Waverley Council might be erecting a statue of you down here. Right alongside the uh, Will Weber Spit the Winkle Memorial, I mm. believe. Yeah, right there. Um, how does that make you feel? Does, is that something that surprises you? I mean, after years of like, you know, slogging it out, doing it with no sponsors, no support, has the has this sort of like enthusiasm to get behind you and recognise you been overwhelming? Um, it's been really amazing actually because a couple of years ago I was diagnosed with a very rare autoimmune disease and I've been quite unwell the last two years and, and halfway through it I was like... Wow, you know, I've done so much in surfing and didn't really get much out of it and much recognition. And then now I'm like, oh, my God, it's just gone the other way. 
and to hear that they want to do a statue is really humbling. But um, the thing that means a lot to me, why I really want it to go ahead is when I was surfing Bondi, there was no one to look up to because there was no other, not really that many women surfers around. And so I think it's really important to put something like that there for young girls that are coming up surfing, for them to see, you know, I came from nothing, came from a poor family and, and made it to being a world champion and also with the illness. So for me, it's something that would be very inspiring for a lot of people and show the history of, of surfing in, in the local area. Fucking earth, that's huge. Yeah. And Smithy, it is. I totally agree. And I've got a suggestion for the, the pose that you could strike. I just think it should just be you with your finger like this. And it just says, Pauline Mensah, 2003 world champion. Fuck off everyone who never backed me. <laughs> because you, you honestly are probably one of the only surfers in history to achieve what you did without any real support from the industry. You just did it on your own back. You did it with a really solid team of people who believed in you. But none of them believed in you as much as you did. And I reckon that is worthy of a big cheer from this audience. Because this woman is an absolute legend. So sick, man. I'm just so proud that you're from this suburb. It's amazing. You're the original Scum Valley battler, mate. You're a fucking icon. It's huge. It's absolutely massive. I'm mad. Um, shall we invite our next guest to the stage? We shall. It's time! Fighting out of Bronte Beach, Sydney. Our next guest was a child prodigy and still the only surfer in history to win all three regional, state and national titles across all age divisions. He graduated to the world tour amid a hail of expectation, only for it to spiral down the drain alongside his petroleum-coloured piss following a week-long bender in Japan. And that is precisely what we've got him on the program. He's the funniest thing since a fart in an elevator. Please welcome to the stage the award-winning degenerate world tour icon, former ASP cultural ambassador, and all-round hellman, Rod, the party boy, the Looking resplendent in his public enemy t-shirt. You look incredible, mate. Yeah, I've got a good story about that one, actually. Oh, go on. <laughs> Spill the beans. So we were walking through Hawaii, me and Hoya, and there was this van right and I said you guys are the Harlem Globetrotters or whatever and they go we're public enemy and I said no you're not and then Flavor Flav was inside the thing get fucked uh, yeah what time is it <laughs> unfortunately but I really I don't really want to tell you what happened after but yeah no you must <laughs> come on you're in a safe uh, space, mate. The Swellians want to hear what happened when Rod Kerr met Public Enemy. How's the suspense? Oh, yeah, I was walking down Hawaii, in Hawaii. I met Public Enemy, but I can't tell you what happened next. <laughs> I just told you. I just showed you. Like, seriously. <laughs> He's making the motion of some, you know uh, I don't know. I know uh, maybe Gerd can uh, break that uh, sign language down for us, some kind of... <laughs> 
You know what? Some, I think some like an 80s or 90s. Uh, I might assignment. get Hoyo or Joey or someone to like to interpret that for you. Sounds but, like you had heaps of coke with him. That's what I read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said it. <laughs> heaps. Heaps. <laughs> it's all good, mate. I got the t-shirt. For now, I still got the t-shirt. <laughs> Box right. mate, let's go back to day dot. How did you and your mob end up in the eastern suburbs? Um, I've lived in Bronte my whole life, um, and yeah, surfing was just something I did. I want to be a footy player. Like I want to play for the Roosters, but everything started to fall into place, and and then all of a sudden I was like, there. I was actually chatting with Mick Fanning today. He was saying that. Even the Gold Coast doesn't have this sort of like beach-to-beach sort of intense rivalry like the Northern Beaches have. Mm. Does the South Side have that? Is it as, is it yeah. as tense between Bondi and Bronte and the Bra as it is no, anywhere but else? You know what? No, not really because we did the ITN thing that I was a big part of and that was us and Bondi, right? And you know that. To Pauline. Talk us through the ITN team. Like, who was in that team? Uh, we had Richard Cram. We had Shane Horan. We had Greg Day. We had who? What about your experience, Pauline, of the beach rivalry? Was it was it one big family east side? Because it, it does seem like one conglomerate from the outside looking in. I don't in. remember there being any problem with any beaches. No, we didn't. I got on with everyone. I don't remember any. Um, no, yeah. we didn't. We it's did. fine. We never had a problem, no. All right. Well, uh, what do you reckon, Smithy? No, we've got to get Gurr up here, get him up here. <laughs> And now, the son of a stuntman. Our next guest is one of the funnest, most flamboyant and fearless characters to ever ride the Mighty Bride. A top-line pro in his early 20s. In 1991, he won the Coke Classic at Narrabeen and the Gunston 500 to be number one in the world for almost an entire year until this being picked for the world title by Damien Dumas-Hartman. A year later, he retired from pro surfing to chase a more artistic journey that inexplicably led to him riding the world's biggest ever surf at Total Santos at Cortez Bank, winning 68 thousand dollars a top-line coach and commentator he is now the supreme maharishi of a new philosophical surfing kung fu known as wavekey he's the smile with eternal style please make him welcome brad thank you thank you good to be here <laughs> Good to have you here. I love man. that song. That song was my favorite song. I had Billy Idol sticker on my board when did I you, was 18. Did you ever oh, meet Billy Idol? I didn't meet him. No. Oh, bummer. Hey, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I don't, I don't like. I don't like her. I'm <laughs> telling you. I don't. I don't like the guy. <laughs> How does it feel to be the the meat in this beautiful Eastside sandwich? <laughs> Uh, corn feels good for the corn <laughs> yeah so Gert, first of all you, you've spent a lot of time uh, on this particular side of the city uh, you're really good mates with the Bronte boys um, tell us a little bit about your history with Bondi Bronte the bra you had good times over here mate <laughs> yeah the first time like I, it sounds like it already yeah the first the first time I came I, I remember being in Bondi and 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 was talking to a girl and she's like Oh, damn, fuck, that story sucks. But anyway, it was great to be here. (laughs) 
Mate, uh, I'm interested to know, like, what were your first impressions of the box uh, when you guys met on the world tour? Yeah, well, um, Robbie Page told me about him before I met him. So I, he had a reputation before I met him. And um, he was fucking sweating, I'm telling you now. You got to meet, you got to meet the box. He's fucking that loose. He's a loose cat. <laughs> Hey, That's this is amazing. Sweat, sweat bag. Like I, I, stay, I, I stayed at his house. He stayed at my house first. And within five minutes, he was tall, calling my dad a crazy cunt. And, you know, in the States, you don't say cunt. Like, you just don't say it. You just don't say cunt. And then someone's cunt, you say cunt. I'll fuck you up, man. You know what I mean? Here, the people are saying, like, hey, fucking hell, you cunt. Hey, fuck, cunt, right, cunt. Hey, fuck, these cunts. Oh, fuck, I'll play with you cunts. Oh, fuck, what a crazy cunt. But anyway, uh, so we, no, that was quick. Like my dad's going, ha, ha. my dad's going, well, Graham Page is amazing. I'm like, Dad, he called you a cunt five times. He's like, but anyway, so I go to stay. I go to stay at at, at Page's place, and he's in um, Wollongong. I have no idea. I just don't really know. Yeah, you know, I get over there, and um, his this is this this fucking amazing story. I'm staying with Scott. Scott Farnsworth is staying with me, and he's like as pure, like American, you know, straight A's, like super, you know, his shoes are tied, like everything, like, <laughs> I mean, everything is like perfect hair, it's like parted, you know. And one night, like, I don't know, like Paige's, Paige's mom is, she's pretty rough. She's, she's like, she looks, she's. Yeah, Gong Housing Commission, she's, fucking yeah, Battler she, store, she, classic. She, 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 she's really this cool, she's good. friendly, but she's, she looks like, whoa. She would fuck you, she would fuck you up. Oh, she she'll take you your up. fucking head off, man. No, they beat them like, tough wow, down this here. Is wow, really wow. Good. and then her boyfriend was about half the size of her with a leather jacket. He looked like Harry Dean Stan. He was like, hi, mate. Hey, well, yeah. Yep. Nah. Yep. So you're st- wait just to pause for a second. You're staying. This is eighty five. Eighty five. Early, 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 early days. You're staying in Robbie Page's housing yeah. commission flat in Wollongong. Well, yeah, because he stayed at mine. So it's like, yeah, return the favor, can't? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, like, listen. You can stay in the dog kennel in the backyard of my housing commission hey, flat Jay. in uh, Port Campbell. Here you I, go, girl. I don't got rid of the fleas. Never. I don't care where it is. Return the I, favor, can't? Jim. So, so anyway. Here we are, right? So anybody knows sw- fucking sweaty, right? He he's just always he's always like, "Hey, look at the size of that fucking thing." He's always always he's always talking about your fucking corn. <laughs> he's always talking about. You can't stop talking about it. So anyway, I take a shower. He comes bursting in the shower. Hey, you're fucking in the shower for too long. You're having a crank, you know and. <laughs> Now, so what if you were? Now, now let me just let me just say, like you got, you know, in Australia, people are like, oh yeah, fuck everybody, fucking does it. You know what I mean? In the states, everybody's like, what? No, I'm not doing that. I, what are you? I would never touch mine. You know that everybody's so fucking prude over there. It's weird, you know. It's really weird. I remember one kid. I remember one. <laughs> I remember one kid. I remember one kid. <laughs> I remember one kid got caught, and everybody's like, he's fucking. <laughs> Kid's so weird. I'm like, <laughs> man, I can't wait to hear how you wanking in the shower turns into moving box. I just, 
<laughs> Although I guess that's the natural path for all people, isn't I just it? Figure, yeah. I just figure I'll just tell the first uh, thing uh, that comes uh, to my brain, but yeah. fucking, I just remember thinking, fuck, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't ever touch it. Nothing, nothing, nothing. No, 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 no way. So here comes Crookin. This is only like two years later. Whatever, Pagey blasts something. Like, You're having a fucking crank, sapo. Fucking get out of the show. You're in there too long. You know, and I'm like, get out of here. No, I'm not. And he's like, You're having a crank. And I'm like, get out. He's like, Yeah, that's what he called it. And. <laughs> I knew what he meant. Because I was. And. Uh, and <laughs> And he's like, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. He's like, give us a look at it. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> anyway, anyway, he goes out, whatever. I, I come out. I, don't, I forget what's going on. And we're, I'm, we're in it playing cards with his mom and his sister and playing cards or whatever, you know. And, uh, and then Farnsworth goes, oh, well, you know, he's playing cards. And he goes, oh, well, I'm going to take a shower. And his mom looks at me dead set right in the eyes and goes, well, if you step on anything slippery, you know whose fault it is. <laughs> I just went. <laughs> he told his mom? <laughs> we never got round to how you met Box, but fair enough. Good, good yarn. Uh, before, we get into, before we get into everything else, sorry, Box, but I just want to pick you guys because Pro Surfing's back in Narrabeen, right? It's back in Sydney. Hasn't been here for a long time. Just want to start with you, Pauline. What do you remember from surfing at Narrabeen and are you psyched to see what the new generation of women are going to do out there? I personally love Narrabeen. I think it's a great wave and um, I just hope that they get good waves for it. Um, and I'm excited just to have the, um, the tour back after having not been able to see it for a while. It's, I'm really excited to see the surfers back. Yeah. What about you, uh, girl? You, you won. You won the co-classic. You've won at Narrabeen. It was pretty pump and surf too, like... What are your memories from that comp and, and that time in your life? Because that was a real magic period. That was, uh, you won uh, Narrabeen, you won Gunston, you spent most of the year as world number one. What do you remember about that particular win at, in Sydney? Uh, well, <clears throat> I remember uh, just scraping through every heat, like really thinking, ah, fuck, I lost that thing, and then getting through. Like it was just a super odd thing. And then... Um, I had a, uh, I had like a, <laughs> I just such a, I'm such a fucking idiot, man. I, I, I like, I had a heat at, against uh, Poto down at Bells and, and um, I mean, not to be cocky or anything, but like he, he was riding like three inch thick boards. He's a big fucking guy and it was just on small Rincon. And <clears throat> if I had him in big Bells, I'd be real worried, you know, but like, I was like, fuck, it's like two foot fucking Rincon. I'm going to fucking smoke this fucking... <laughs> You know, you like, this is the kind of attitude I have. I'm going to smoke this fucking big fucking guy, like, pff, fucking chance. And then I fucking, so stupid, I went over, I got a jacket potato and ate the whole fucking thing before my heat. <laughs> Paddled out, I could not even serve. And I was so pissed off at myself. What am I fucking eating a potato? What the fuck am I doing? You know, like, so stupid. So Dude, stupid. So this is stupid. <laughs> True. Fucking true. So anyway, that sent me off to the New Age bookstore and I fucking got like a crystal and a whole fucking a whole deal. I just went into like doing this visualization thing. <laughs> and, and my first heat against 
Fabio Gavea, <laughs> he had the wave to win, and he went right instead of left. <laughs> but I didn't know that, and I was like, well, there it is. I lost my first seat again. Fuck, potato. But <laughs> I didn't eat one that time, but I still was blaming it. You know, you're that dumb. You'd fucking, you know. And he ended up going right, and then I got through the heat, and it was like that whole, all the way through the whole event. And this guy got third. He almost made the final. I was like, fuck, come on, Box. You got to fucking make a final. We got to have a final together. Box, what do you remember of that, that event? Because you know what, right? I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, go. This asshole right next to me, right? We were in the wards together. And he goes, how are you going to wear your hair tonight? Because I had the long hair. I go, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, how are you going to wear your hair? Like, I went, what? He got me so good. Because I just totally took my mind off what I was doing. And he nailed me and he fucking won it, the gunston. He goes, I'm sorry, bro. But you know what? I, I Honestly, I said, fuck, I love him. But he got me good. Yeah, like, just take us through... The mechanics of making that final, it's a, it's a big win in your career because it, it set you up for a, a pretty amazing run. Um, he was the best surfer in the world. Everyone knows that. He won five events that year. Yeah. Girl so, was the best surfer in the world. Can you talk, talk us through that year a bit, mate? Like, I, uh, I just saw it all, mate. I promise you now. He was the best. Yeah. And uh, I think I was there with you at... at um, Part was the, the best part was you got you made the semi and it was like almost you know it was like fucking almost there and then we then we made the final at Gunston and in between that we had that fucking that charter flight to reunion <laughs> remember that thing <laughs> this is a famous the food fight a food fight on the plane was that when you guys were wearing those tight pants that, uh, that was that's Tokyo. That's another story. That's we we got we got sure to tell that, that one too. Yeah, but we, hang that on. was the same year though. Actually, before you we go back for three days, right? Just before we go completely sideways on the uh, the flight to reunion, I got to know, mate. I got to know what it, what it meant to you, like at the time, to win that comp because uh, it was a big <laughs> big event. It was a uh, huge ratings. It was uh, in the, in a time of fucking alpha male mega egos. You know, this is the. The Carol, Curran, fucking Duma. Well, this is as big as it gets. And you well, took out this event and you set yourself up to be world number one. What was going on in your brain? Honestly, girls, like, he's the best. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> is, I'm telling what, what? you right now. I'm, I'm telling you right now. I know, now. mate. I, I heard you. He's telling you, Vaughn. Listen to the man. <laughs> Listen to the No, no. It meant a lot then because, uh, because at the beginning of the year, uh, uh, I, I, grew, I grew up with this serving in amateur events, and then the amateur events were run by uh, two Aussie, famous Aussie guys, Ian Cairns and, um, and PT. And Ian Cairns is just a fucking dick. I mean, like a, a serious dick. Like a serious, like, you have to do it this way, and you have to do it this way, and you have to do it this way. And I was like, I didn't get into serving because I want to do it this way and do it this way. I fucking love it because I, I can do what I want. I, I, can, I, I don't have to be yelled at by a fucking football coach. and it, I can fucking make it, make my own thing. So I just saw it, it was so weird, you know? And anyway, so I got in trouble with all that shit. And, and I had an argument with him at the beginning of 91 because I had said what I felt about him in, in, a, in a magazine article. And he, he had 
come down to uh, San Diego because San Diego had the, the, the ASR trade show. And so everybody was coming through San Diego at that time in January. January is winter time. The waves are pumping. The waves were really good. <clears throat> and um, my home break was called Swamis. I was out there surfing. And um, he goes, well, why don't you call me an asshole in the magazine? And I go, because you are. And he's like, yeah, you fucking punk. And he just started going <laughs> off on me. And, uh, and then he kind of said something like, well, when are you going to make it? When are you going to make it, mate? When are you going to make it? And I was just like thinking, fuck, I won three events. I bought a house. I fucking, like, I'm doing pretty fucking good, you know? And, uh, and, uh, uh, make it, you know? But any, but, but he was just, I didn't take the bait and like, you know, cause all my friends are around. I kind of, he's a pretty big guy. And, but, but I had another friend who was like six foot six looking over at me. And I'm like, you want me to, I'm like, no, no, it's all right. It's all right. And, um, but yeah, he, he did this whole thing and, and the best, one of the best things about it was, uh, my, I, I came in, I told my, I told my dad about this, this situation and my, my dad's Hungarian and pretty stri- very straightforward guy. And he's like, nah, he's a fucking asshole. He's a fucking, fucking asshole. And, and so the next day we're there, he's out there again. He comes in. He comes up there. He, I see him. He, 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 he like pulls my leash. Like he's just doing juvenile shit. And I'm just like, what a fucking. Anyway, he comes up the stairs and he says to my dad, how are you? And my dad goes, I'm good, but I hear you're not. And, and he goes, fuck you. And my dad goes, well, fuck you too. And my dad's like this big and he's like that big. <laughs> so, so anyway, that was early 91. Fast forward to the Coke Classic and he's the commentator for the event. He's commentating the um, for ESPN and then he's also coaching Todd Holland and so he's moonlighting and you know and so he's interviewing everybody who's making it through the heats all the way through but not interviewing me <laughs> and then I got all the way that I got all the way to the end and, 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 and he, he had to interview me <laughs> so that felt really fucking good he, he's going when you make it how about right now you fucking asshole <laughs> Yeah, I was like, how do you feel? I feel, feel, feel pretty fucking good, okay? So, <laughs> but, but that, was, that, that, was, that, that kicked off the year, yeah. And that, was that a driving force for you throughout that event, or it just happened to be a, a thing that helped no, you? No, it just, happened, it just, hap- it just yeah. happened to be. But, so, it but was when, just, you, you know, when you got to number one in the world, did your mindset change? Did you find that you were, like, reaching? Because I, I saw an old video, real old, when you're super young, and you, you talk real about... Real old? Fuck. <laughs> real old, mate. <laughs> But you were training, like you're riding bikes, you're treating yourself like an athlete. Once you got to number one in the world, did, did you feel like something flicked in your head and you were like, okay, this is it, this is where I'm meant to be, this is what I want to do? Well, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to win, so I, I, didn't, I didn't believe in myself. So we just fucking surfed nude in France and did I'll all you, kinds of I'll fucking shit. Now. We just took we he took the moment change. and just tried to you know. But I just I just kind of I had I just I needed a coach. I needed someone to tell me like, Good hey, just change. pay attention, just pay attention. And it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty interesting the psychology of like your d- grow, growing up. Yeah. How old were you when you won that comp? Do you remember? Twenty five. Twenty five. No, just right. turned uh, my birthday is like right around this time, so I just turned twenty five. Mm. Was really, really mature. I was really mature. Pauline, <laughs> you, you were a, a, an amateur world champ, so you won a world title as a young woman. What, what did it, like, at numerous times in your career, you would have been number one. 
Like, did it change who you were? Did it, like, put a fuel in you to succeed? Um, like, the amateur world title didn't change me too much, but I, it was sort of when I went in my first events where I really changed because, like, I remember the first Cool Light contest I went in at Bondi and um, I got a whole lot of these free mango clothes and, like... As a child, we never got given anything. We just, we, I got all this free stuff and it made me really want to turn professional. And then um, when I made it to the World Amateur title, I kind of felt that I'd done everything on the amateur side of things and then turned professional because I thought I really want to join something that's more professional than the amateur ranks because of the way they ran the events and um, organised things. And then when I turned professional coming from the woman's perspective anyway, I was like, wow, this so-called professional tour is not really professional because so many things happened where, like, um, Lisa Anderson, I don't know if any of you know, but she was married to the head judge. So, yeah. So there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of stuff on tour that happened that, that shouldn't have. How do you surf a heat knowing that the world champion has a child to the head judge? How do you do it? Um, we did it quite a few times and then I had enough and, and went and spoke to the, the ASP and said that um, we're all boycotting surfing the events if he still stays judging her. So in the end he stepped down and didn't judge her heats but he was still the head judge of all the other judges. So he's actually their boss still. So there was a lot of stuff like that that happened where um, it wasn't as professional as you think it was. How much of a shock was it uh, just to get to that level and find that it was just all smoke and mirrors? And like, how did you push through the, the kind of illusion of the, the world to a dream, not being, you know, it was so underfunded, you had terrible waves uh, to compete in, and it was just a, a real lack of respect shown to the women on tour at that point. How did you guys or girls push through it? I just really loved what I did and, and, you know, because I grew up with a tough time, like not having money and, and not getting things, that, like we had to work for everything, so I just sort of felt that that was a normal way of life and on tour I just kept working hard for things and it was the norm to fight, to keep fighting and keep fighting and um, after we had a meeting with the judges at one point and one of the judges said to the girl surfers, he said, oh, I'll be honest with you girls, the only person that actually comes forward and tells me that she's not happy is Pauline. And then he was actually grateful that I came and, and spoke to them. So it was that point that I realised we can speak up a bit more for ourselves and they don't mind hearing it. Fucking no. One of my favourite parts of, uh, of the film Girls Can't Surf is the strike action on the beach. I think it was at J-Bay. Um, just incredible. And I think you were orchestrated that, right? Uh, basically, the waves were just absolute dribble. Uh, and you, you all sat down. It was just an incredible show of solidarity. And I'm, I'm a sucker for a bit of fucking strike action, let's be real. It's probably the MUA in me. Um, but, uh, yeah, how, how empowering was that? Um, you know, just that feeling of solidarity. And, and just you all had your own back. You know, the establishment was against you. But uh, you guys had your own back. What did that feel like? Yeah, well, basically... Um they, they called the guys off and they're, then they're like, okay, the women are on now. And it was absolutely total, utter shit. It was like two foot breaking on the rocks. And even when they said paddle out, we're like, there's no waves. They're like, 
we'll do 30-minute heats. We're like, there's no waves. So we said, all right, we'll paddle out. And then this, this had actually happened quite a few times on a tour where they made us paddle out and we tried to stand off, but there would always be one girl be too scared and paddle out. And this day... Scab. Yeah. <laughs> this, this day we're in J-Bay and um, they said... There's two minutes to go, to go, girls paddle out. And I said to the girls, just stay here. They're like, what? I said, yep, just stay here, don't paddle out. And I'm like, they can't start the heat if none of us paddle out. So we just kept saying, just stay here. And then, um, yeah, with a few seconds to go, they're just like, girls, you've got to paddle out. I'm just like, just stay here. And so no one paddled out and uh, they couldn't run it. That is iconic. Yeah. <laughs> When, when I was watching that part of the film, when I was watching that part of the film, I was so blown away by the courage because, like, it, it, like courage is a word that can be thrown around real easy. But to sit there and just openly defy, you know, the people who are trying, look, not even trying really, masquerading as trying to do something for you. Well, inside. How, how did you feel? Were you like goosebumps? Were you like freaking out? Oh, well, inside, shitting, I was. You must have I was, been I was, shitting bricks too, right? It must have been terrifying. Like, you don't know the outcome of strike action. Strike action's also, always such a scary prospect because it could go fully tits up and, uh, you know, you, you all lose your, your spot on tour. There's so many unknowns. Yeah, well, the scariest thing for me was because I had no sponsors and any time we did anything different, they would always threaten to, to, chat, to fine us. And so while we're doing it, I'm thinking, oh, shit, we're going to get a big fine for doing this. But then what happened was after we did it and we didn't get fined, we realised we do have a voice. And then after that is when we all got together and created our own um, representative. And so we would have meetings. An old-fashioned trade union. Yeah, pretty much. That's you why are it finally worked. the Swillian Queen. There's no doubt. Not worthy. We got a bit of form. We got a bit of form this suburb when it comes to strike action. Uh, Shane Haran obviously was on the, 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 the pointy end of the, the apartheid South Africa boycott. You know, he got around for an entire year of a free Mandela uh, stencil on his, on his surfboard back then. I wonder, like, was it something in the water here? I mean, it was a pretty political place uh, back in the day in the 70s and 80s. You had squats, you had the, the maritime union here, you had you know, a heap of communists and socialists and uh, it was a melting pot of, uh, you know, real staunch but povo kind of battlers. Uh, we weren't afraid to fucking stick it to the fat white man and his cronies. I think, I think growing up here, you're pretty feisty. Like, yeah, just growing up here, I was really feisty. And I haven't surfed here for like 30 years. And I went out yesterday and uh, that old naughty Pauls came back and all feisty and like paddling up the inside of everyone. And I was even, after the surf, I was like, shit, I just like had a sort of everyone paddled around the inside. There's something about Bondi, I suppose. Talk to us a bit about the early days, because they were so difficult, you know. Your father was unbelievably murdered uh, doing his taxi rounds. Uh, you were left to, you know, uh, one of four kids to a single mum. Like, it's as, it's as, it's like a fucking, you know, Charles Dickens kind of Oliver Twist story. It's, it's like such an iconic battler tale. But, yeah, just talk to us about those difficult early years and, and the grit that they sewed into you. Yeah, I guess um, seeing my mum look after four four kids and how she struggled and... You're knocking over all the corn. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can't take you anywhere, Box. Box just dropped his corn, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess um, seeing my mum look after four kids 
and, and her doing everything on her own and um, still surviving is where it came from. And she always taught me with everything, like even going through tough times, she always would say there's a positive in every negative. So like even when I was on tour and I didn't have the support, I was still one of the most winningest surfers for a long, long time. And so that was the positive in the negative. Yeah, I, I didn't get supported, but I had to win to keep going. And so that's how I looked at it in the end. Such a mental story, yeah, man. Yeah, that's it's, it's, it's like one of the great, great sporting tales, uh, you know, from Australia, I reckon. It's right up there. Oh, mate, it's huge. But, like, we were talking about sticking to the van. The crazy, one of the crazy stories as well is that the year after Gurr spent the whole year running for the world title, the very next year he retired. Why, mate? Why did you do it? And, and, and what, what was behind that decision? Oh... I wanted to just, I wanted to live just like a normal young person. I just wanted to do normal young person things, you know. I didn't want to keep going around fucking looking at heat sheets. Hey, fuck, I got ripped off. Like, I, I just, I was like, oh no, I was like seeing the, sa- seeing the same people at every place you go to eat and being like, I don't like that guy, but oh, hey, yeah, you again, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. I just like, fuck it. Uh, I want to be stoked to see somebody. I don't want to be like, oh, hey, you again? Like, you know, I don't want to live like that. And I just, the, the contests were held in shitty fucking waves all the time, you know? Like, it was like, uh, uh, I guess, you know, uh, I got to number one in the world, and it was like, I had to park, like, all the way the fuck back, way the fuck over there. And I thought, <laughs> can I just get a fucking park up front? And, like, I worked my ass off to get all the way here. Can I? Wait. Get, get, and wait, aren't the surfers the draw? Aren't the surfers the one that bringing all these people here? Why did the surfers have to park way the hell over there? And why are the bathrooms way over there? And why is all the food for the media? And why are we not, <laughs> you know, I was just like, this sucks. And then they, I mean, I wasn't the only one who left. Uh, Tommy left, Kurt Aki left, Greeny left. Like, but people are peeling out, you know, and... They, uh, Billabong actually did those um, Billabong challenges and started doing them in really good waves. And, and, that, and then Rabbit became the CEO of, of, of like WSL and the thing changed around and they started realizing, fuck, everybody wants to see people surfing good waves. Not, not just people seeing people surfing good waves, but the idea of being a professional surfer is, yes, I, I get to be a professional surfer. It means I get to surf good waves. I, I can surf good waves. And it was not like that. And I was like, wow. So I was out there on a fucking 6'3", <laughs> going, you know, trying to like, you know, ride these really shitty small waves. You know, I was, it, was just, it was just kind of like, I had like a moment of like, I, I proved it. So I proved it to myself. Like I could, I could win, you know. And yeah. I just wanted to like make sure that I didn't waste all my youth on just going to contests. I, I wanted to go to concerts and I wanted to see art shows and I wanted to meet a thousand fucking, I wanted to meet my wife out there, which finally I did. <laughs> but like, you know, like, uh, yeah, that was, that was it. I mean, that to me is a real mature decision for that age. Like if you're 25, 26, you're caught up in the hoopla of uh, winning comps, being in a world title race, feeling the hype, feeling the energy. Oh, I, was being... jealous. I was jealous watching Aki and Curran fuck quit and fucking surfing these killer waves everywhere. I was like, oh, my God. I was thinking about quitting when I was 23, and I was like, oh, I better not. I've worked a long time. I better just prove that I could win. And then, you know, but, yeah. The waves were absolutely horrible, like, uh, throughout the men's world tour, and then they were even worse for the women. 
Uh, I mean, just yeah, that they must were have definitely been... worse for the women. That's not like but, a make. I mean, that wasn't a fabrication. It was fucking all rubbish. Like it's insane. Like the the, the quality of surfing. At that stage, like we're talking cartoonish characters, incredible style, Curran, yourself, BLTC. But the waves just, yeah, they weren't up to scratch. I mean, once you did hang up the contest, Rashi, you know, where was the first place you went to score some proper fucking cones, some proper vision? Well, uh, well, well, just so, like, just so you can vision it, like my vision of professional surfing was MR at, at, st- at the subbies going like this with his wrist and like off the bottom and the entire crowd in the background with a bunch of topless chicks and fucking, I was like, I'm like, Oh my God, I have to do that. You know, that's what I want to do. And it wasn't, that was not what it was, but it was one occasionally event. there was a stubby, the stubbies event did happen. And that was a really fun event. Yeah, but then there was like 35 favorite. other events in fucking summer France and summer Japan. And, you know, but what, 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 Oh, where did I go? I, I yeah, kind like, of, you know what? I got really into music and I just, I thought maybe I'm just going to get into music and just, I'm just going to get into music and do something else besides surfing and surfing will just be my hobby and I'll just, I'll just enjoy it from, I won't have any, anything like that. And so I didn't really go anywhere. I mean, I went to Hawaii and I did some stuff and then I, yeah, I, I, I what I think about sometimes like, fuck, I should have just moved to Indo and I did move to Indo, but like years later. Yeah. Man, you, um, you went from basically giving the Pro Tour the flick. A couple of years later, Dream, Dream Tour kicks in, so shit timing. But, yeah. but uh, the, the crazy thing is um, you started really being a trailblazer, like one of the all-time fucking lords of opening up big wave surfing on a realm that we na- now know it as, you know? You I was surfed so a, lucky. You I surfed a wave lucky. that was like 100 foot. That's what they were calling it back in the day. Cortez Bank... One of the first guys to attack it, Todos Santos. You won sixty-eight thousand uh, dollars. Yeah. Wow, um, that was a good time. Wow. Was that, that was like, a good party? That was a good party. Was uh, that always a part of your surfing, like no. to, to do this sort no. of shit? Look no. And and this, and this was this was in the infancy of toe surfing, where it was still just some wacky experiment with uh, you know wacky boards and. Jet, I don't know, were you even using jet skis or was it still Zodiacs at this point? No, 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 no. It's definitely more... more. Um, that is a Chris Gallagher surfboard. That's 6'3", um, or 6'4". And it's 16 and three quarters wide. And that fucking thing works so good. I worked so I felt so confident on that surfboard. And... Um, that wave is so funny because the whole day, everybody was getting bombs but me. And I started to complain like a puss to, to, to Mike. I was like, dude, Mike, fuck, man. Everybody's getting, everybody's getting, everybody's getting waves. I'm, I'm getting the fuck shitty ones. Like, pay attention. And uh, in the middle of that, like, he's like, hey. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay, something's coming. And, and this, and it was getting, it was late. You can see it's like later in the afternoon. It's like for like, in the wintertime over there, it gets dark at five. So this is like probably like at four, you know, or somewhere like that. And so the sun's behind it. So the thing's like real black, you know, like it's like, like this. And I'm like, oh, 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 okay. Oh, yeah. And, 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 he, and he looks back at me and he goes, next one. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, there's even a bigger one? Fuck, come over to that thing. And there's just this fucking, oh, the music plays, you know. You're like, oh. The thing about towing is there's just like no way you're not going to go. 
It's like not you're not gonna not go. You're not gonna be like, well, I'm not gonna. Well, I don't know. Well, you're like, fucking, I'm going. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely gonna catch it standing up. You know what I mean? I'm not. I don't have to fucking take the drop. Like, <laughs> I got this. So you know, we like we turn around and 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 drive into it, and um, I don't know. Like the board just. I had some new fins on it, and I just was in the zone where I was like, I'm just going to check and see if these things even work really good. Like, I was in a different, I wasn't afraid at all. I, I, today, I'd be like, what the fuck? No way. But, like, I don't know. You know, it just, I was just in the insane zone there. And, and when I kicked out of the wave, uh, Greg Long and Rusty Long were right there. Like, dude, you do not even want to know. That, that, that thing was behind you was, if you fell on that thing, <laughs> And he goes, you just won the XL. And I'm like, really? No way. You know? and, and then we went to the awards, and it was, yeah, I won. And I gave half the money to Mike because he gave half the money to me when, we, when he won. And it was like, yeah, back at you, plus four. Because he, he gave me 30 before. It was just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I feel super lucky that I, I, I did that. Fuck yeah, yeah. That's just like. Yeah. Dude, that's a. Oh, box, round the side, bro. Round the side. Welcome, Box Kerr, back to the stage, everybody. Um, I'm so sorry, everybody. Um, I do struggle with anxiety, and then I got a bit, yeah. Struggle with anxiety, mate. Have a bit of this. It's uh, some swell-grade uh, CBD oil. Or something. <laughs> you want to squirt it? Nah, like, yeah. I just need to have a breath. That's all. Sorry, guys. No, nah, mate. We love you, Box. We love you, bro. Yeah. It's pretty awesome that you're here, man. It's really awesome. Hey, uh, girl, I know you got a couple of crazy war stories about box uh, from your time on tour. You were filling me in on a couple of them before the show. Uh, would you like to share a couple maybe with the audience? I know there was one, uh, one in France in particular, uh, hot laps on a motorbike uh, with the whole kit and caboodle uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on display. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so... <laughs> Uh, this is this is 1989, and uh, uh, the Berlin Wall has just come down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, I traveled with Marty Thomas, and uh, Marty and I were in London, and I mean, sorry, we were in, in Cornwall. Condis was in Cornwall, and and um, we always had a difficulty getting from England to to France. You know, like with the boards and the bullshit and the, all the the small planes and the whole thing. So this year they had decided, all right, well, we're, we've hired a, a caravan. You can leave your, um, or, well, not a caravan, I don't know, like a truck or whatever, with a, yeah, yeah, caravan. No, and uh, you can put your boards in there and then you can fly like real easily. It was like, oh, Marty and I both lost. And they were like, hey, let's go to London. So I went to London. That's a whole story. And I said, hey, let's buy motorcycles and fucking drive down to, to, to Lacanau. Let's drive to the next contest. So we drove. We did it. That's a whole story. I don't know, whatever. We ended up in... Yeah, we... I don't know. Yeah, something. Eight, eight or nine hours or whatever. We pulled up. It was amazing. Anyway, so we were in Lacanau for the, for the week. The contest is on and all that stuff. And at the time, Greg Day was my coach. He was coaching Luke Egan and... Uh, and uh, Hoyo, and, um, and, uh, and Sweatbag, and um, Robbie Page. And there was a bar, there was a bar, like, like the contest was the waves here, the contest, little 
scaffolding, not like today, <laughs> little scaffolding, you know, and um, then there's, then there's like a, a main street that goes along, and then behind that is a bar, <laughs> it's like a, there's a bar, and then there's also a little nightclub, you have to go down these stairs, and so we're all at the bar, and everybody's fucking wasted, and I mean, like, Tim Baker's one of the writers. He was, like, lighting his pubes on fire just to give you, like, you know, uh, an idea of how, you know, loose shit was. Derek Hine was peeing in some house, in a house plant over here. This guy's dancing. Fuck. Robbie Baines, one eye closed. And you're like, hey, Robbie. Hey, Bainey, how are you? He's like, taking a swing out here. Like, fuck. What, you know what I mean? It's a bit of a Star Wars bar, bar situation. But anyway, we're all having fun. We're all having fun. And Greg Day goes, hey, um... Hey, can I borrow your bike, Marty? You know, I was like, yeah, sure. go for it, you know? And so we just keep drinking away, and, and um, next thing you know, we hear this, like, you know, the road's right there. We hear this little, dee, dee. you know, the bike, the bike doesn't always have, it doesn't have, like, a Mack truck horn. It's got a little, dee, dee. and you look out there, and here's fucking, here's, here's Box. He's nude, he's nude, and holding on to Greg Day's shoulders, completely nude, and, and beep, beep. And he's all <laughs> waving at the crowd, waving at us as he drives by. And then he's waving at other people. He's waving. And we're just like, yeah, we fuck yeah, fucking boxes, dude. Yeah, we're all stoked. We're all, we're all, fuck, we're all, st- we're all stoked. We're like, fucking, fuck. It's like, you know, that's fine, right? He drives down. You know, you can see his fucking big ass, you know, driving down. And then he turns around the corner. And then we go back to the back to the you know drinking and carrying on and all that stuff and then beep beep there he is again. <laughs> We're like yeah, yeah, so two times, three times it's like pretty funny and then it's just seriously it's fucking four times it's five times it's like six times and it's like and the and the maybe the fourth fifth and sixth were kind of like fuck man all right you know like enough already like you know like <laughs> new you're nude like it's good you know. He does it like 15 fucking times, all right? So, so eight, nine, like nine, 10, maybe even 11 is like fucking pinnacle laughter of like where you're laughing so hard, nothing comes out. You're like, there he comes again, fucking whoa! Kept doing it, kept doing it. It was amazing. That's just a regular <laughs> night on the ASP tour in fucking 89. Perfect. You know? Per- yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a fraternity shit. It was just stupid. Perfect. One of Kerr's many... Many golden moments as a World Tour party boy, which segs perfectly into tonight's game show. Good night, party on! Party on, Wayne! Party on, guy. Cause we're party town, it's late. This one's for you, Box. This is uh, a very simple game, mate. All you have to say is true or false. Oh, this is gonna be good. <laughs> Alright, true oh. or false? Uh, you and Gurr once had a party at Sonny Miller's place, whereupon you got so high on acid, you spray-painted the inside of his house and were in turn forced to repaint the joint. True, True. or false? True. Mate, I painted the whole house. <laughs> oh. I knew it. Gurr, you got any memories of this? Good. No, you remember? No, nah, no, nah, he wasn't there. I thought we were d- discussing this. I didn't think I didn't think you ever forgot anything when you're on acid. <laughs> anyway. I had a couple of um, the best skateboarders in the world that were there. But you know what? Yeah, we've painted his whole house. <laughs> what? Like why? 
I don't know, we're fucking blind. <laughs> Fair enough. Box, your parents actually floated you the money to do the world tour to begin with. Yeah, that's true. Wow, he's on fire. It's two from two. Um, and uh, true or false, not long after you won your first contest, uh, you put the entire winnings on the bar instead of paying your parents back. Yep. <laughs> true or false, true or false. Uh, yeah. True or false, uh, you once surfed a heat blind drunk in a pair of jeans against the clean skin Christian Jeff Booth and won. Uh, later that day, Booth came round to your joint of a bottle of whiskey and got completely blasted with you okay. in the hope of tapping into your winning formula. Nate, you got it wrong. It was fucking Richie Collins. He was a fucking Christian. And fuck, he was like number five in the world. I nailed him, right? Right, sorry, uh, that's my bad. Uh, one stroke for Smithy, incorrect. Uh, take one go- cone piece away from me. Oh, sorry, lady, I just uh, sconed hey, in the dome. You know what, Jed? I actually like you. Oh, thanks, Box. It means a lot, mate. Uh, true or false? Uh, <laughs> during the 1986 Surf League Championships, uh, which was held here at Bondi Beach, in fact, a oh. member of the ITN Board Riders Club was the last person seen entering Gary Elkerton's hotel room before his television disappeared over the balcony. True or false? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I threw Kong's... TV over the balcony. Yeah, I did. It was you or wasn't you? No, it was me. Oh, it was you! <laughs> True or false? Uh, don't, Sonny... don't tell him, but like, seriously, don't tell him. You're still rattled by Kong. You worried he might uh, come looking for his pound of flesh? You'd take him on, wouldn't you, box? Take his fucking head off. Uh, True or false? Sonny Miller, good friend of both of you guys. Yeah. He used to travel the world with drugs hidden in his camera gear. That's true. But you know what? He was no, he's, 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 he's left nah, this he's planet he's in the best spirit world. Beautiful man, Sonny. Friends of mine and Gurr that you'll yeah, ever imagine, right? He was the captain, fun, commander fun, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Sonny Miller was the best. You must have some amazing uh, Sonny Miller stories too, Gurr. I mean, he was from your neck of the woods. He was an absolute fucking icon, party boy. He made probably the greatest surf film ever created, Searching for Tom Curran. Uh, talk to us a bit about Sonny Miller, man. Mate, I was, I'll tell you now, I went up with him and we had a really good night with um, Robert De Niro. <laughs> I shouldn't oh, say it. Wait, 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 back up. Did you just say you and Sonny Miller had a great night out with Robert De, Ni- yeah. Robert De Niro? Yeah. yeah. What, what does a night out with Robert De Niro look like? Well, I, I can't say right here. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Like, fuck, like, someone's recording this shit, right? But, yeah. Yeah, we're recording it, mate. (laughs) You're a fuckwit. I guess, uh, I mean, we can, like, we laugh and we joke about this golden age of degeneracy on the world tour, but there was a dark side to it as well. Uh, You know, a lot of guys from your generation... Uh, on the tour, like, really struggled to transition into everyday life. Um, you know, girl, you had your own battles, man. You, you spoke about, like, leaving the tour at 25. And, you know, not long after that, um, you know, you, you found yourself, you know, a little bit disorientated, confused, um, you know, lacking purpose, lacking meaning, and, and ultimately, like, in a funk of depression. 
Um, you know, what was it? I mean, and obviously, you know, a, a number of guys from that era. Tommy Carroll had his problems, uh, well documented. Bainey, you know, Bainey did a, a stint, like, you know, he suffered depression, was on the pharmaceuticals and that. Uh, you know, Sonny's obviously not doing so well. You know, Shmoo was a, a really good friend of both you guys. You, you, we lost, uh, and Vaughn too, man, we lost him uh, this year. Man, w- what do you think it was uh, about that, that period uh, and, and the way people were living that, that had such a gnarly come down to it, I guess? I mean, I can only speak for myself and uh, I just, I I st- I just kind of stopped surfing and, I, and, I, and I, I think that was it. I just stopped surfing and that, <clears throat> that was my outlet. And I didn't have an outlet when I didn't surf, so it just kind of took on more, and then it went more, and then it went more, and then I got to a spot where <clears throat> you can kind of imagine that you like all of a sudden you're standing on solid ground, and then all of a sudden you're whoosh, and then you're out there, and you're like, "Fuck, man, there's no ground underneath me at all." And I'm like, "Okay, I need to get back there. I'll just turn around." And then you turn around, and like. You can't see it. it. It was really, it was really fucking scary, <clears throat> and, it, and it came from just, it came from not having a purpose, and um, and so uh, having such drive and such clear purpose to to surf and to be the best I could be, and hopefully be the best in the world, and then to be like, I don't really know what the. F- I mean, I'm just going for pleasure, right? I'm just, and the and the pleasure just ends, you know. It's it's pretty. It's you really need your friends, and you you you. I started to learn how to see when it was coming on. I could see, oh, it's like a, it was like a wave, you know. I could see, oh, that's a that's a <laughs> that's a closeout. <laughs> I'm not taking that thing, so you know I'm gonna I prepare for it. You know, I got help. I went I went out and bought. I went out wide, right, and I went and got help. And I said, you know what? I'm not that tough. And I went and got help, right? He works for the Chooks. Um, and the first time that Ollie got me, I was in the gutter vomiting my guts up, right? And you know what? It's the best thing I've done because, you know what? I realised it's not... Because I used to get drunk and drink and try to fucking mask everything. But your thing is, right, it's not that. The thing is, right, why are you doing it? Whatever, right? And so, you know what? What are you saying? I fucking love you for that, mate. Sorry to swear. But anyway, like, but, but honestly, just put your hand up and go, fuck, I need help. Fucking you. King! Quote of the night. Best thing that's been said in this podcast. It's incredible, man, to, to see, like, the way uh, masculinity kind of has begun to own its fucking pain and suffering. You know, for a long time, it, it really didn't. It was pushed to the side, you know, it was hidden behind a veil of drugs and alcohol and bravado. And, uh, you know, it's, I guess it's taken some of the fucking the hardest cunts in surfing to go down to, to realise that, like, you know... When you lose a couple... Maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's just uh, the atmosphere wasn't, you know, there to be like, oh, I feel shitty, or whatever. You know, it's like, fucking... <laughs> I mean, we joke about it all the time. We're like, put some fucking cement and harden up, you know, but it's not, it's not really harden up. It's like, 
It's almost like you need to do the opposite. You need to soften up, you know? Mm, soften and open and breathe, cunt, like whim. But, uh, Pauline, you must, have, uh, you must have some observations on this too. I mean, you're no stranger to the struggle. Like, I don't think, uh, fuck, man, what you've put up with in your life, the, the resilience, I think everyone could learn a lot from it. I mean, what wisdom do you have to impart? You know, I think a lot of the guys also struggle with, on tour you have just absolutely amazing ups and downs and the general, you know, general life of everybody, you go to work, come home and you don't have those incredible emotions. Whereas when you're a professional surfer, like to win and lose was just so unbelievable the difference that you had. And then um, also just what um, surfing gives you, like you've got your adrenaline pumping and just doing exercise is really good for you mentally. And I think when, when a lot of the, the guys and girls stop the tour, they, just, they don't have that physical ec- exercise anymore. And then a lot of them end up suffering from depression. And um, the good thing is WSL, after what happened with Sonny, they realised that you know, a lot of us did need help after the tour and, and offered help for a lot of us if anyone needed any help that we could, we could get it. And at the time when, when Sonny was unwell and I got diagnosed with this disease, they had um, someone that we could talk to. So, yeah, it was awesome. Wow, incredible. There must be also something in the fact that, you know, surfing is this, this, this source of pure joy. It's your passion for your whole life. And then it becomes your job. And not only does it become your job, it becomes your job in marginal waves. It becomes riddled with stress and pressure. And it, it, it's no longer necessarily, it's a job now. And then, so what, you, what has kept you happy, what's given you meaning and purpose has suddenly been tinged with uh, a kind of, I don't know what, what you call it, but it's been a bit... It's kind of like being tarnished. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it definitely was. Like, like Gur said, we all had these dreams of this perfect tour and, you know, like they advertise that Pauline Menzel wins $35,000 um, um, Coke, Coke Classic, but really we won 4000 and it was 35000 with everyone. So it was like a little bit of this fake tour you know, like everyone's shocked at what they hear happened. And um, so, yeah, it was just yes, very different to what, what people think. This, this last 10 minutes has been so monumentally sorry, bro. incredible, mate. No, no, don't say sorry, man. This has been the stuff that we all came to hear. We want to hear truth. I've told you the truth. Vulnerability and pain and box. You gave it up in spades, mate. Thank hey. you for sticking it out. Really appreciate it. And... Um, I honestly had no idea where this night would go and it, it has been fucking pretty special. Big thanks to Billabong, big thanks to Custom. Wow. He wants to uh, he wants to sing a celebratory song, Vaughn. Do we uh do we permit this gesture? Fucking oath we are. Alright, 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 I got I won the corn challenge, I rinsed it. I rinsed it harder than anyone else. Whatever. Shout out to... Shout out. I fucking got it. I won. I won. I won. Everyone, listen to this. This is about, this is about good times. This is about good times. 
Yo, here's a recap on my heat with a little bit of rhythm and a funky beat. Yes, I cruise to the beach. It's extra long. I perched up on the sand. I put my wetsuit on. I paddled out to the right, left, right, left, right. Ducked over, waving as I rose to the sky. I finally caught a wall of water I could ride. Had bold and no wedge, so I sprung and took flight. Landed on the backwards and I spun around twice on my way back out. Slipping on my face, so I'm pushing it off. My next wave stood up and took off It went a little, little something like this Whoosh, whack, wham, oh damn That's a lot of matter for you The Italians on the shore were screaming Mamma mia, lax back on the lays Cause the ocean started chilling It got me thinking A fucking oath, bruh, how good's living A swiggy la la, swiggy, swiggy la la Swiggy la la, swiggy, swiggy la la Swiggy la la, swiggy, swiggy la la Swiggy, swiggy la la, swiggy la la Swiggy la la, swiggy, swiggy la la Swiggy la la, swiggy, swiggy la la Swiggy la la, swiggy, swiggy la la Swiggy, swiggy la la, swiggy la la It's another verse It gets, it gets horny, it gets really horny I never expected what happened next I got acquainted with two of Montana's best One named Ruthie, the other Caroline They were doing some kind of modeling for a clothing line Caroline like my surfboard and accent Never thought that the next scenes would happen Cause I'm having dinner with her Show me pictures of her sister I'm looking in her eyes and all I wanna do is kiss her Walked her back to her hotel Guess what happened next? We went upstairs to relieve some stress But I must confess I made a mess on her chest Cause my dick's too small for deep throat sex I rode the train home with a beer in my hand Smile on my face, I was a happy man I stick to that, yeah, I stick to that, uh-huh Everybody raise your glasses, stick to that, yeah, come on Sing it la la, sing it, sing it la la Sing it la la, sing it, sing it la la Sing it la la, sing it, sing it la la Sing it, sing it la la, sing it la la Are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 You gotta be kidding me. 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 Oh, you gotta be kidding me. 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 You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me? 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 Are you fucking kidding me?